Well, welcome once again to a Wednesday night Bible study. And I'd like you to get your Bibles out, whatever you have, whether you have a tablet or you have an iPad or a notebook, and you might want something to write with. We are going to go move around just a little bit. I may not be able to read all of the scriptures to you, or you may not be able to look them up, but at least you will have them as a reference because of the times that we live in. And although this feels very foreign to us, this is not the first time that there has been a global situation. In fact, I was reminded by one of our dear saints that the first quarantine was with Noah and the ark. And they were quarantined a lot longer than we've been, so take heart. Your house is not filled with animals, tigers, lions, and bears. Oh, my. Praise God. So, although you may feel like you're becoming a bear, we have not yet approached the day of Noah. But we are in a serious time, and I want, I want to to bring you an encouraging word from the Lord. And if this is your first time to be with us, welcome. I'm Janice Showstrand, and this is my husband, Pastor Keith Showstrand. This is our praise team behind me. We are in the sanctuary, bringing church into your home, and hopefully bringing you into the presence of God. So we're going to start with Malachi, the third chapter. So if you'll put that on the screen... Get your Bible out so that if you don't, if you can't understand it in the King James Version, there are many other versions that are available to you to help you understand. The book of Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament before the book of Matthew, which begins the New, and it signaled the end of an era. And after this book was written, there were 400 years of silence. There was nothing from heaven, no prophets, no messenger, nobody talking. But Malachi prophesied in the third chapter of his four-chapter book. This is what he prophesied. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly, come to his temple. Everybody say temple. So we know that this was written in such a time where, um, I don't know if Malachi even saw the temple, but there had been a temple. Solomon had built the first temple, and then it had been destroyed And then Zechariah, Ezra, and Nehemiah built another temple. And then that temple uh, was destroyed. And then Herod built a temple. And then Herod's temple was destroyed. Now, Paul said, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So what I want you to understand about the word of the Lord is it's cyclical. It's always relevant for the time in which it is read. This says, I'm going to send something to prepare when I suddenly show up. 
when I suddenly show up, I'm coming to my temple. So you can say, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not a member of Christian Apostolic Church, and he's going to come to their temple, and God help him if he does. This is going to be amazing when he comes to the temple. Then you can say, wow, I don't have to worry about it because I'm not in church. And so if he shows up at CAC, I don't have to worry. I'm not there. Except the definition of temple also means your body. And the Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and everything in it. So I don't see that anybody gets to escape this prophetic word. Now, a messenger is heralding God's coming, God's coming, God's coming. I would say this is unusual and a very unusual messenger. The coronavirus has shaken people. Something's coming. And when he comes, he will suddenly come. Then he says, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in, he'll come. Now he was speaking, he was saying, whoever's coming is going to remind you of your covenant relationship with God. Say, well, I don't have to worry about that because I'm not in a covenant relationship. Well, there's a scripture for people who are not connected to the body of Jesus Christ. And it says, if judgment first begins at the house of the Lord, and judgment means that God walks and sits down and starts laying down sentence. He starts examining. It's like a pop quiz, except it's, a t it's the real thing. It's not even a test. It is all tests and pop quizzes prepare you for the coming of when he actually shows up. He said, if judgment starts at his house, where will the sinner and the ungodly stand? So I said all that to say this, whoever you are listening, this word is for you. Who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? So it means when he does show up, and I'm not talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ to take people away. I'm talking about when God comes down from heaven and walks into a place and says, what's going on here? And I want you to take your finger and I want you to say with me, what's going on here? And point to yourself. What's going on here? Who can abide it? And then it says this is how he's going to appear when he shows up. He's like a refiner's fire. Now, I've never been in a fire. I've been close to one. And the higher and the hotter the fire is, I can only stand there just a little while. I, I can only take so much of it. It just, my face starts to burn. And if I turn around, then my backside starts to burn. And before long, I retreat from the fire because it's just too hot. The Bible said our God is a consuming fire. So when he comes, he comes like fire and like fuller's soap. Now, I think fuller's soap is like lye soap. Its purpose is to scrub till everything is white. Now, I want you to notice that it says, verse 3, he shall sit. That means he's going to take some time. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. Okay, so the first group that he gets a hold of are people who serve him. 
people who are in an office of service, in some form of service to the Lord. The Levitical priests God chose out of all the tribes of Israel to serve him personally. And he said, I am going to deal with the people that I called who personally minister to me. I like to hear them pray. I like to hear them sing. I like, I love them. I'm going to get a hold of them. So even if you are his favorite, oh, I'm your favorite. Sit down. I'm getting ready to put you through the fire. But you love me. I do. You're first. The Levites who marched carrying the Ark of the Covenant when they crossed the Jordan went first. Then everybody else followed right down to the last of them. But everybody went through it. But guess who went first? Those who served. And he said, I'm not doing this to waste your time, to make you cry, to hurt your feelings. I'm doing this to purge and purify you like gold and silver. He said, to me, you are like gold and silver, and I'm doing it for one reason. I want you to offer an offering to me that suits me. I love righteousness. There is a right way to serve God. And he said, when I get through with you, you are going to know how I like it. It's not public opinion. It's not from a book you read. It's from intimate and personal relationship with God that teaches you how to offer a sacrifice to him, how to worship him, how to praise him. These things may be observed by other people in a church setting, but they are not for other people. They are for specifically for God. And he said, there's a way I want you to do it. And when I get done putting you through this, you are going to be able to give to me what I want the way I want it. Oh, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for that right now. Jesus, thank you that you have given us a word of hope that whatever we're going through right now, those that serve are being tested and tried and purged, purged and purified. Now, I want to explain to you, I didn't put it up for you, but I want you to understand what it means to be purified and purged. There is one definition that just leaped out at me when I saw it, and it was to squeeze through a strainer. <laughs> oh boy. To squeeze through a strainer. That's to put it through like a, a cloth so that you twist it and squeeze all the juice out of it and there's no pulp left. None of the pulp. Nothing but pure juice. And to purify silver and gold is to put it through such an intense heat that nothing remains but the pure item. To purify, to clean physically, morally, and ceremonially. To extract and remove impurities for one reason. I want to offer a sacrifice that's worthy to a king. Now let's go down to verse 5 because somebody else is present. Oh boy. This is tough, and I will come near to you to judgment, and I'll be a swift witness against, bam. Wow. 
So while the Levites are going through the fire, that is to help them give a sacrifice that's worthy to God, there are other people that God has identified specifically, and he says, I'm going to be against you. Sorcerers. Now, sorcery in that day was trying to gain supernatural power by other things than God. So it was setting yourself up with either herbs or incantations or something that gave you power, sorcery, and then using it to gain advantage or power over other people. And he named that first. He hates competition from any other God. He said people that are catering to, they are trying to gain power, influence, position, and preeminence by powers that are not God's. Then he said adulterers immediately jumping right into the marital relationship. It matters to God. May not matter to the people who are doing it, but he said when I show up, I am going to stand as a swift witness. You say, well, does that mean if somebody got coronavirus, they're a sorcerer or they're an adulterer or they're a false swearer or they oppress, they try to cut people's wages and they try to take advantage of little widow people and fatherless children that turn aside the stranger from his just rights. It, does that mean, and fear not me. He said, on top of all that, they don't fear me. I would say that the only one who knows why people die from coronavirus is God. Because what may look like a punishment on one hand may be a redemption to God. The Lord said, blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So he is the one who makes the decision. But the point is, this event is happening to everyone. To everyone. How much witchcraft do you practice before you become a sorcerer? How many times do you commit adultery before you become an adulterer? How many times do you swear falsely and lie, make a promise and not keep it before you are considered by heaven? Not by me. I, not my, but heaven says, I'm coming down. I'm going to witness against these people. How many times? I can't say that. He just said, and they don't fear me. Are you saying, Dr. Showstrand, that you know who doesn't fear God? I'm not opening my mouth. Why? I fear God. That's why. I fear God. I'm just simply telling you what the word of the Lord says. Now, somebody else. Now, this is what's amazing. I want you to jump down to... I think probably it is the second to the last scripture. It starts with, then they that feared the Lord. There it is. Verse 16. Okay, so the writer is writing all this. He's prophesying and he says, this is going to happen. It's coming. I'm telling you, the Levites are going to go through a time of testing. And it's going to purify them and purge them. It's going to be hot. It's going to be pressure. It's going to be difficult. They're going to feel the heat. Now, they're not going to be burned in it, but they most certainly are going to be purified in it. The main thing's going to become the main thing. 
Then to all these other people who are practicing things, God says, I'm going to turn my face against you. You're going to fight me. Not the pastor, not your teacher, not your mama. He said, you're going to fight me. You say, well, why is that so important? Well, I, I want to very quickly jump to, I want to jump to Romans 1, 29 through 30. I may go back to it again, but I want you to see this, okay? Romans, wait a minute, let's do Malachi 3.16, and then we'll go to Romans. Then they that feared the Lord. Okay, so he's telling all the things that are going to happen. He's naming everybody that's going to come through it, and somebody's listening to him. And then all of a sudden, as, a, as an aside, the writer stopped and said, I didn't realize there were people listening to me. They feared the Lord. They started searching themselves. Did you hear what Malachi said? Malachi said that the Lord's coming suddenly to his temple and that the Levites are going to be purged and sorcerers and adulterers and false swearers and people who oppress other people and try to keep them from getting their rights taken care of. Something's going to happen to them. And he's just going on and, and he listens to him and he goes, listen to what are, I'm going to eavesdrop. And he's, he stopped writing and he said, those that feared the Lord started talking to one another. Are you praying today? Have you fasted this week? Are you reading the Bible? How are you doing? Are you okay? Are you still living right? Have you gone back? Are you going forward? Are you still doing the things we know to do? We can't come to church anymore. Why would you do that? I fear the Lord. Why do you even care about the people that sat on the pew with you? Because we're all together. I, I, I feel a responsibility. What's underneath it? The fear of the Lord. A reverential, not a knee-quaking, trembling fear, but an amazing reverence. A reverence. The early church lacked that reverence until a couple came before the apostles and said, we're giving all the money we made from the sale of a piece of land. The husband walked in first and said, here. Now, this was an offering. They weren't commanded to give it. They weren't threatened if you don't pay your tithes. They willingly said, we sold this land for this much money. Here it is. But what they did was they kept back a portion. They said, yes, we're giving 10%. This is the 10%. This is the offering. But they kept back a portion. And Peter turned to them and said, why did Satan feel your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And the instant he said those words, a swift witness against a false swear. I swear this is what we made. I swear I'm giving this. This is, this is it. I give you my word. Why did Satan fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You did not lie to men. You lied to The instant he said those words, that man dropped dead. And the young men who were present picked him up, wrapped up his body, took him outside, and buried him. 
almost right on his heels, his wife came behind him. Now, at that point, she did not have to participate in any of her husband's lying. She had choice. Say, why is this important? Because if you're going to serve God and you are living with somebody who falls into the don't fear God category, it doesn't justify any of us to follow them. Say, well, I'm living with somebody who says they believe, but stuff's going on in our home. Let me warn you, Ananias and Sapphira made it to the book of the, the New Testament because, in the book of Acts because of their falsehood in church. Say, God doesn't care. He doesn't know. I don't have to worry about it. I can live. This is not the hour to count on an appearance. This is the hour to get real. Because you can't come to church anymore. God is in your home right now. He has come to the temple and he's sitting down. Where is he? He's in your house. He's in your bedroom. He's in your living room. He's in your kitchen. He's watching television with you. He's listening to the radio with you. He's reading materials with you. And at this particular moment, God has left the church. There's nobody here. There's just us showing up to encourage you. Where is God? Sitting next to you. That's where he is. And he said, did you sell the land? He gave that woman a chance. Did you sell your piece of property for da-da-da? And she said, oh, yes. Yes, uh, we did. She agreed with her husband. Why? She did not fear the Lord. Say, well, it's important for my marriage that I... It's important for my parenting that I... It's important for my job that I, and you will notice that all of those people were involved in a relationship. The sorcerer, the adulteress, the person that oppressed, that was an employer. God was up in everybody's business everywhere they were. Their marital relationships, their power relationships, their employment relationships. He's watching all of us. Except Ananias and Sapphira had no fear of God. They were afraid of man, but as long as man didn't know it. But you see, in the early church, God knew it, and she fell down dead. He said, behold, the feet of those that carried your husband out are here to carry you out. She died. The same young men took her. Now, back to Malachi 3.16. They feared the Lord, and they said, Wow, it's going to get tough. Pray for me. Will you pray for me? Keep me in your prayers. How are you doing? Let me send a text. Then this is what's amazing. And the Lord hearkened. The Lord said, what? Now he's talking to Malachi. But Malachi and the Lord are eavesdropping suddenly on a little group of people who are not in maybe in the Levite position and they're not in the other group, but they're in the I fear the Lord group. I fear God. And the Lord sat up. 
He said, what? And he heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. God called for an angel to say, write down the names of the people that are encouraging one another. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you thankful you have a phone and you can text and you have Zoom and you can write? Aren't you thankful that you can call and visit? He said, I want you to write down the names of the people that are talking to each other. For them that feared the Lord and Thought. Now that's not obvious. That's not, no one can go, what are you thinking? But there are going to be a group of people who fear and revere God so much that he's in their thoughts. And he said, I'm going to get in your head. I'm going to find out who's been thinking about my name. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now and let's thank the Lord for the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a strong tower and the righteous run in it and are saved. Thank you for your wonderful name that we can think on. Now let's go to Malachi, the fourth chapter. And then we'll go to Romans 4 and 1. Now he's continuing on. He said, the day is coming. What kind of day is it going to be? We're going to have picnics and there's going to be prosperity and it's going to be awesome. He said, a day is the day cometh. So this corona was already predicted. The day cometh that shall burn like an oven. Now it's not a refiner. It's an oven. It's going to get real hot. Now here two other kinds of people show up. We've got the Levites in chapter 3. The sorcerers. The adulterers. The false swearers, people who swear that they're doing X, Y, Z and they're lying. And people who oppress other people, weak people, the widow, a woman who has no husband, a child that has no daddy, somebody that has to work for a living, and then the stranger, just take advantage of all of them. But now, oh, he's broadened his net. He said, all the proud. Everybody say proud. And all that do wickedly. Now, this is amazing because he didn't say the wicked. He said, if you do wicked things. Mm. Now, how long do you do a wicked thing before you become a wicked person? <laughs> well... That's a very good question. He said that day is going to devour them. Now the Levites are going to get purified. Those other people in chapter 3, God's going to come right against them. He's going to reveal them, show them for what they are, testify against them. The people that fear the Lord are going to get their names written in a book. And then the last, I'll tell you the last part of that after he writes their names in a book. But then he says that day is going to be like an oven to two kinds of people. Proud people. And people that do wickedly. So I thought we'd go to Romans 1, 29 and 30. Let's find out what are some actions that God considers wickedness. Oh my here we go. Romans 1, 29. 
Now, before all this, it talks about how these people got there. He said, though they knew God, they did not want to think about him, and they did not want the fear of God to restrain what they do. So God just turned them over and said, go. This is the end result of God not being in our lives. Being filled. Everybody say filled. That means there's no room for anything else. They're full of it. Unrighteousness. That means everything that is opposite of what God wants. And here we go right down the line of sexual practices and perversions. This, he said, they are filled with, and he didn't describe what kind. He just said fornication. We're living in an hour when people think that's quite all right. The Bible said being filled with that is the result of not acknowledging God, not retaining him in your thoughts, and having no fear of him. Fornication, then he says wickedness, covetousness, wanting what you don't have or what someone else has, maliciousness, downright meanness, full of envy, murder, debate. That's argumentativeness. Who knew that that was the end result of no God in your life? Deceit. Just can't tell the truth. Malignity. Now, I thought maliciousness and malignity would be enough. But if you are malignant, you just don't have a good view of anybody. And then whisperers. People that just whisper. Then there's more, backbiters, talking about people behind their back. It goes further, haters of God, despiteful, proud. That's self-sufficient, I can do this by myself, I don't need anybody. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, who knew that would make the list? These things, then 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. I'm telling you these things because coronavirus is happening to everybody along a spectrum. He has come in every house, in every place. It is like a precursor to the end of the end, which is I am judging you. I mean, and you would think that people who are doing these things would go, wow, you know what? Maybe I need to repent. Maybe I need to stop back-talking my parents. Maybe since they've discovered that coronavirus can attack an infant, a 15-year-old, that if 15 year old can die maybe I need to watch out but the day of the Lord to the proud and those that do wickedly they never bend it doesn't say those that are proud and do wickedly are going to fall on their face and call out to God it didn't list all these things he just said two kinds of people are not going to make it through the fire proud folks and folks that are doing a list. Wow. If that's not a call for repentance, why would you repent? You fear the Lord. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. <laughs> the only one that needs to know is the one you need to fear, God Almighty. Say, I don't want to hear this. I'm going to read it anyway. 
2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2 says, This know also that in the last days dangerous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's narcissism. Covetous, boasters, again, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. There it is again. You would think that children who are innocent, you know, they're, they don't have a job. They don't have a car. It's, uh, how could they make the list? God says you're disobedient to your parents. I know the spirit that's in there. That is wickedness. That's not my word. That's the word of the Lord. Unthankful and unholy. So I want to go back to Malachi 4 and 1. Coronavirus strikes. They won't bow the knee. There, there's no repentance. There's no crying out to God. He said, this fire is just going to burn them up. Now I want to tell you something. We used to have a little expression, that just burns me up. That just makes me so angry. And there are circumstances that God allows to happen that reveal the character of the people who are in them. And he said they're going to be stubble. The day that's coming shall burn them up. It's going to leave neither a root or a branch. There won't be anything left. You say, does that mean God's going to kill them? No, it means that they are not going to have a chance to be born again of water and spirit. Because God is not good? No, because like Pharaoh, the more he was approached with, you need to repent. Pharaoh, you need to let these people go. Pharaoh, you need to. This is going to happen to you. I don't care. I don't give a rip. I'm not bowing my knee. I don't need that. Who does God think he is? I am Pharaoh. I'm big and bad. And we are seeing the result of what happens to the character of people who who are proud and are doing wickedly when confronted with the Christ of Calvary. All it does is make a man like the thief on the cross and he started cussing Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, get off this cross and save us. If you're God, heal me of the coronavirus so I can go out and party all night. If you're God, don't tell me how to run my family. I know how to do my business. Oh my word, this day is burning people up. The Lord cares. But then this is what's amazing. I want you to read that next verse. Malachi 4 and 2. Oh boy. Whew. This is hard to hear. I read Malachi 3 and I said, oh dear God. This doesn't sound good. Tell me something good. Give me a, give me a positive prosperity message. Tell me everything's going to be all right. Does this mean we've done wrong? Just, you know what's supposed to happen in every home of every person who calls on the name of Jesus? There's supposed to be some serious one-on-one -on -one soul searching going on. Some repentance, some serious repentance, some changing of ways, some searching, some turning to God, coming to him. And then he said, but, he said, I'm going to, I'm coming down, I'm going to line. But to you that fear my name, oh my, <laughs> to you that love me, 
to you who have been faithful, to you who say, Lord, I'm going to sing if you want me to sing. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to read your word. I'm just going to cling to you. Jesus. There's no other place for me to go. I, I don't know where else to go. I can't go back to my old life. I'm just going to stay with you, Jesus. If I perish, let me perish. Whether I live or I die, I'm the Lord's. I've just got to stay close. But, but I can't go to church anymore. But it's okay. I just have church in my bedroom. I, I just have church in the kitchen. I just We read and pray and study together and worship the Lord. What are you doing? You're revealing the true character of your intimacy with God under fire. That was the whole purpose. He said, I'm going to pull some people through this. Oh. I'm going to pull them through it when I get done with them. He said, you fear my name. I'm going to rise on you. Now I want to show you something about humble people. A proud person will stand up in the face. In fact, in our Australia, we have our Australian friends call it tall poppies. It means you think you're bigger and badder and better than everybody else. And you stand right up like a tall poppy. But you know what happens to people that fear the name of the Lord when the Lord starts doing what he does? They just bow. Oh, my. They bow. And the Lord doesn't even have to wonder who's his and who's not. The ones that are bowing belong to him because they fear and revere God. And the ones that don't are still standing there. Bring your worst. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not bowing. I'm not respecting. I'm not nothing. He said, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to look at those that have bowed their knee. And so while that fire is burning up the wicked and those that do wickedly and the proud and everybody else in chapter 3, the humble are bowed over. And you know the most we're going to get is across the backside. <laughs> there may be some marks he said, whom the Lord loves, he scourges. Where was Jesus scourged? On his back. He took it on his back. And you say, I don't want the Lord to correct me. Oh, please pray that the Lord is correcting you. Please say, Jesus, show me if I'm doing something wrong. Because this is the time for the Lord to deal with us individually. I can't soothe your conscience. And I can't, I don't know where you are and what you're doing. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The day is here. It's now. It's happening. I would have thought at 9-11, I sat there and watched in horror while those towers fell and wept and sobbed. I thought that following Sunday church would be filled with backsliders. Wow. No change. No fear. No reverence. When this is over, he said, I'm going to rise on you and the idea of healing in his wings. You know what that means? You know how soft the touch of a wing is? 
I think before he even touches us, it's just going to be a breath of healing. Hallelujah. I want you to just raise your hands like this. Lord, send your healing. Rise with healing. Hallelujah. Rise with healing through all of this trauma and drama and this fear. And God, we don't know what the economy is going to do. We just bow ourselves. We're still giving. We're still praising. We're still loving. We're still living. We're still worshiping. We're still praying. We're still involved in services. We're still contacting each other. We're still reaching out. We're still fasting. We haven't given up on you because you haven't given up on us. There will be glory after this. A healing has come to those that fear your name. You've written our names in a book. We're joining the names of those from 4,000 years ago who were listed as righteous and holy in your sight. Oh, hallelujah. Just take a moment and praise him. Just about a five-second praise. Thank you for the promise of your healing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know who you are. But if you're filled with anger and bitterness and resentment, and you can hear the sound of my voice, there's hope for you. If you're listening now, I have to believe, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that anyone proud or doing wickedness would even want to stop by this little site. So I just have to believe that everybody's here is one of those that fear the Lord. He said, I'm going to heal you. And you're going to go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And then I want you to go to that next verse. You're going to tread down the wicked. In other words, does that mean you're going to stomp on people? No. It means that they're not even going to be noticeable. Because they're going to be ashes under your feet in the day. He said, the day that I do this. Hallelujah. In a day. Now I want you to go to verse 17 of chapter 3. I want to read verse 17 in the Amplified Classic. They shall be mine. These people who called one another and kept living for me and kept They shall be mine. He said, I'm looking for them. He's burning down the ground looking for the jewels. Do you hear me? He's, he's willing to sacrifice thousands of proud folks who'll never bow their knee and millions of people who are doing wickedly. We stomped our feet and worshiped and said, God, get up and save little children whose daddies and grand, grandparents and guardians are abusing and destroying and kill them. Move them. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. We said it. And when he got up, we were like, Lord, I'm not sure we meant it. But the, your will, your kingdom come. Saying, how are you faring? I feel it. I feel it. I've shed tears. I feel it. What posture? I'm not arguing with him. I'm still praying with my head bowed and my face to the ground. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I publicly 
recognize and openly declare them to be my jewels, my special possession, my peculiar treasure. And I want you to underline this in your Bible. I want you to underline it. You got to have this with you. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Say, well, Sister Shostrand, I feel it like everyone else. I lost my job. You listen to me. You fear the Lord. He has spared you. Say, but I lost my job. He spared you. But I'm not strong. He spared you. I shut that all up. The angel has already passed over. I want you to lift your hands right now. Jesus, I don't know who is here listening to the sound of my voice. But whoever it is found their way here because they're searching and they're looking for you. Maybe they're hurting. You said you're going to rise with healing in your wings. Lord, rise on the listener right now. Rise on that man and that woman. Rise on that home. We feel your presence in the silence of this place, in the sanctity of this moment, in the peace and the quiet. You are surely in every home. You see that woman sitting on the couch with tears rolling down her cheeks. She's a single mother doing her best and suffering. Lord, you see that man who knows he has an anger problem and doesn't know how to get rid of it and is sobbing right now because he's beat his wife and his kids and he knows he needs to make a change. You see the alcohol who has been drinking more heavily and the addict who's trying to drown out the pain and you are the pain taker. You are the chain breaker. You are the way maker. Hallelujah. And we come to you right now. We're all going through the fire but the difference is we're still turning to you. We will not let you go. We're on our faces holding on to your feet. We know that if we can hold on to you there's going to be mercy. You will spare us like a father spares the son oh hallelujah hallelujah cry out to the Lord right now save me Jesus from myself save me from my sins save me from my addictions save me from my nature oh God rise with healing in your wings hallelujah verse 18 sums it up Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him who serves God and him who does not serve him. Hallelujah. The Bible says, God resists the proud. He stands against him. But he gives unmerited favor to the humble. I feel like there's some people listening here who need to repent and don't know how. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I don't know who the man or the woman is. Maybe even a young boy or a young girl who has heard this word. And they have felt your presence and they're afraid because they know they made the list. 
that this is not the end, but it's a warning of the end. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost after all those people had put Jesus to death and he said, repent, turn around, stop what you're doing right now. Fall on your face and ask God to forgive. You don't owe me an apology, sir, ma'am. Young man, young lady, little boy, little girl. Oh, but Jesus is surely coming and he has come right now. And if you can hear my voice, it just shows me that there's hope for you. God would have never told you this just to depress and discourage your heart. He's showing you the truth. You just can't do wicked things and not be marked by heaven as one of those that do wickedly. Repeat after me, Jesus, forgive me and heal me and make me whole. Peter also said you must be baptized in the name of Jesus to wash away your sins. You say, I don't know how to do that. There's a tank of water right behind this young man. And my husband, if he has to, will put on gloves and mask if you're afraid. But if you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, you must be baptized to remove your sin. I didn't say it. Peter said it. Jesus told him to say it. He said, tell them to go in my name. There is no other name under heaven whereby you could be saved. There's no name. There's only one, Jesus. Lift your hands with me.